Hey, what's up, guys? Before we jump into the pod, wanted to check and see, have you signed up for the Blue Wire newsletter yet? If not, now is the perfect time. If you sign up, you can win prizes every month, like gift cards, free merch, and cold hard cash. In celebration of American Prodigy's third season, you can win some sick Blue Wire merch. Sign up today and immediately be entered to win. Link in the description below. Now, back to your regularly programmed schedule. This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to a special episode of the London is Blue podcast. I am, of course, Nick, joined by uh, Jesse and Abdullah for a, uh, for, I don't know, how how would I phrase this? Um, One of us has done something cool, and we're going to pester this person with a bunch of questions about the cool thing that they did. And it just so happens that Abdullah has written a a book uh, about the Chelsea women's team uh, called Europe's Next Powerhouse, The Evolution of Chelsea Under Emma Hayes. And uh, and we're going to dive into the book. We're going to give you guys a little bit of a sneak preview as to the the, the rhythm and rhyme of, of what he's done here and in, in writing his second book, uh, which is really impressive. That's two more than I've written just for the record. Uh, and uh, we want to make sure that we, we share a little bit about the process, a little bit about the behind the scenes, and then just kind of talk about the, the general narrative and, and dive into a couple of the favorite chapters. This is not going to be an audio book. Uh, we, we're not recording the full thing here, but um, we have a little bit of a fun thing that we're going to do at the end, right, Jesse? Yeah, yeah. So we've got two two copies of this book to give away. Um, two whole copies of <laughs> Europe's Next Powerhouse, The Evolution of Emma Hayes, to give away to you, our amazing community. Um, but we're going to tease you a little bit on this. You know, we're going to get you all excited, talk to you about the book, and then you can find out how to get your hands on them uh, at the end of the show. The biggest tease in the world. Uh, yeah, we've started giving away half copies of books before. It didn't really work out as well as we'd hoped, so... <laughs> We decided to go with the whole book for this one, which is a lot of fun. Uh, first and foremost, look, Abdul is part of the family here, so uh, I am going to uh, try and sell stuff on his behalf. He wrote a fucking book, people. Go buy this thing. Uh, it is at Book Depository, which is uh, shipping worldwide. You can get access to, to the copies right now. Uh, and then also Amazon UK. Uh, you can get copies right now. And then uh, Amazon US is a little bit delayed. So if you're in the US and you want the thing right now, and of course you do, Book Depository is your best bet if you're willing to wait until May, Amazon US. Is that right, Abdullah? That's absolutely correct, yeah. There's a pre-order link on the US Amazon right now. And I know you can't see this, but (laughs) I have it right here. There you go. It's unbelievable. Uh, It's a great great bit of cover art, too. Can I just quickly say, who, who did the cover art? It looks wonderful. Uh, they have a they have a they have a guy called D- Duncan Olner. He's a he's an outsourced guy with the publisher, but he's amazing. He did he obviously did both my covers. Fantastic. I, I fell in love with it the first time. Like I hardly had to make any changes. I was like, yeah, this is it. We're ready. The cover is done. So uh, again, buy this book. Um, support support our friend uh, and 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 colleague now uh, with the podcast. And uh, of course, we'll give away a couple of copies later in the show. But Jesse. We would be remiss if we didn't share a couple of just, you know, first glance reviews from from those who have received their copies already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Meg at Megahern uh, saying it's her birthday. So she finally got to read this book. Uh, Hadn't finished it yet, but it's already so good. Definitely recommend you to check it out. 
That's like, Abdullah, that's got to be a good feeling. Like, people getting your book for a birthday. Love that. Love that. It's, Come on. it's insane. It's insane. And also from Dieter van Gooch. Uh, sorry if I've absolutely killed your name there. Uh, <laughs> nowadays, I'm reading the really interesting book of Chelsea Women under Emma Hayes by Abdullah Abdullah. Hashtag reading tip. So there we go. We're all going to be hashtagging reading tip once. <laughs> reading tip. Well, I've already got reading my copy, tip. of course. But um, yeah, lots of people enjoying it, clearly. How does it make you feel, man, that you're starting to get a little bit of pub around the, the release of the book? It's honestly, it's still, um, I'm still not even over the fact that the first book is out and it's been like eight months since the first book came out. So we're, the fact that we're already on book number two, six, eight months later is absolutely insane. But, um, no, just like whenever I get tagged in, in, in messages and people saying, like, hey, we've, we've got this book or, you know, we're really enjoying it. It's just, it's almost like a relief off my shoulders because I have no clue what people are going to think. It's, it's like, you could love it. You could hate it. I, I don't know. Um, but the fact that people are starting to like it and, and I mean, there's a couple of people who are like, you know what, I'm just going to pick up both books because I've, just, I love the first one. So I'm going to get the second one. So I've seen people picking up both now and it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you kind of get the podcast side of this thing now that, that you've been doing <laughs> our show for a while, but you know, you and Jesse both write um far better than i do but still the the process of just putting yourself out there can be scary you know it it's not always the uh the thing that people agree with or disagree with it but it is uh it's really really great that you've done this and uh, again two more books than i've written uh for the for the actual record uh the first thing we're going to touch on though is just how this came to be right um and then of course, we'll dive into a little bit of the process and then some of the specifics from from the book here. But why this book? Why now? How did you find your way to this? Like, give us the kind of overview. You you, you wrote your first book on Leon, and now you you've kind of moved on to to Chelsea in the second book. Yeah, um, I mean, so a disclaimer for I mean, or like a, rev- a revelation for people that didn't know um, when I when I got into women's football in 2019 and really focused on it in that from a writing and, and following perspective. So I'm, I'm relatively, if I can call it a new fan, I've only been in women's football for three years compared to someone like Jesse or, or a lot of other people out there who've been following it for years. So I'm a relative novice in front of all of you. Right. Um, but I, I, I mean, my the team that I fell in love with from a women's perspective was Leon. It was, it was the reason why I picked Leon as the first one. But for me, Chelsea, I've always had a strong affinity with Chelsea because they're the, the club on the men's side that I've supported since probably the year two thousand, and that was twenty two years ago. So I was in my early teens. You know, um, I found this team on FIFA. I was my uncle gifted me a copy of like FIFA two thousand and two, and he's like, mm-hmm. here, and had Thierry Henry on the cover, right? And he's an Arsenal fan. I started playing. I liked the color blue, so I picked Rangers. I had no clue about football at that point, right? I was a, I was a cricket fan growing up, and I played FIFA and I played Rangers. I said, oh, "What other teams are there with blue?" I happened to turn onto this this Chelsea team. I like this guy called Mario Melchiot and uh, Emmanuel Petit and Ida Johnson, and suddenly I went. You know what? I like these three names. I'm going to play this team. And I just constantly play that team. I remember one time I moved like Emmanuel Petit from defensive midfielder to striker because I wanted him to score so he could be on the <laughs> score. Like I, I had no clue what I was doing at that time. But my history with Chelsea kind of stems back to uh, to the year 2000. And I ne- I've never looked back since. And, and, then, and then when I got into, when after I did the Leon book, I said, there's this... The bucket list for me was I need to do something around Chelsea. And sometime in my life, I, I love this club. So... What's the best thing that I can do? The next best thing is I'm going to do it on the women's team. And just so happens that the women's team is pretty damn good. So here we are. And 
obviously, you know, lots of people support a club, lots of people support Chelsea, but not everyone gets into it quite in the way you have. This is quite like a tactical, quite an analytical book here. How how did you kind of get into that side of it and why did you feel like that fit with, with this kind of narrative? Good question. Um, I guess I could go back and say that I've... And I'll shout out my friend Craig Mexon here for for a quick bit. He was a friend of mine that I met in high school in in, in secondary school, and um, we were in we were doing our A levels together. And today he's one of my best friends. But he's the one who really got me into tactics back in the day. I remember we for years would drive around the city at one, two, three in the morning. But we weren't doing it. We weren't partying. We we're doing. We were driving around the city, having tea, talking about why Everton's 4-4-2 under David Moyes was the worst thing in the world. Like, those were the discussions we were having at the time. So I learned all my tactics from him. And I think in 2018, I decided... Um, Right. Maybe I should. I've got some free time. Maybe I should do some do some write some writing, and I got into I got into a website. They they got me in to do just some regular writing stuff, and then they said, "Hey, do you want to cover this uh, RB Leipzig versus Salzburg Europa League game, a tactical analysis?" And I'm like, "I've never done one before. I like it, but I've never done it." I said, "Try it." So I was given the choice, and I took it. And then that kind of my my love for analysis kind of fell over there. I did that for about a year. We got into the Women's World Cup, and we had to cover it. I covered France as my the team I had to cover for the tournament, and um, I was paired up with somebody, and and I and I kind of really enjoyed the tournament as a whole because it was a breath of fresh air for me. I've been following men's football for so long, and I was like. I'm getting bored a little bit. I, I needed some stimulation. I need something different. So when the, the chance to write for women's football came along and then doing tactical analysis on it, I, I took it. And it just so happened that I people started to be more receptive towards tactical analysis. There wasn't much of a tactical scene back in 2019, uh, as well, at least from my point of view. I, I couldn't see much going on, at least the depth that I was looking to write at. And I just decided that, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to go all in and see if this thing works out. And kind of the best decision I made, and, and, and it probably made me realize that if I want to do anything professionally in my, in my career, if I, if I didn't know what I wanted to do, well, maybe writing tactical analysis is what I want to do. And then we got into, we got into lockdown and I was kind of, well, what do I do? The book idea came to be, and then I got I got the bug after the first one, and then Chelsea was a, a natural progression um, there, and not even just not even just that, but I mean, Emma Hayes and the whole the way the team were going in the Champions League last season was like it was a no brainer. I just had to do I just had to write a full tactical breakdown on the team, and and something that's never been done before. I don't think there are books out there specific in women's football on a team breaking them down in its entirety along with their story. Per se, so I thought, you know, it's a, it's kind of staring at me in the face, so might as well, might as well try it. Uh, it's a, it's a lesson for for anyone, uh, young or old, taking risks is 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 a good idea. Um, it's how we learn and grow, right? So, um, I, I guess the last question before we had a quick ad break, Abdullah, is you obviously now have two books. Is is this, uh, you know, Europe's next powerhouse? The um, chronological timeline. Um, follow to your first book or is this a completely unrelated just in a series of books that you're writing you know in some ways i i i, I thought about this a lot at one point and i think there was a part of me at the end of so i didn't think about doing chelsea till maybe a month or two after i had finished the manuscript of, of leon um 
but I always had an inkling that I might do something around Chelsea. So at the end of the first one, I had written a few lines hinting at something to do with Chelsea, but not writing it, but like calling them a, a, an up and coming team in terms of Europe's and, and all that. And I, and I left it there as more of a thing for myself saying I've left it open-ended. So for me, I almost felt like it is a chronological, you know, event of books because Leon were this dominant team for 10 years their reign came to an end, that, that era came to an end, and it almost felt like at last season that Barcelona and Chelsea were probably the next two in line to become these next big, big clubs. And obviously getting to the end of the, the, the final of the Champions League was there. So in some, in some sense, to me at least, it, it made sense that, all right, Lyon was first, Chelsea be, you know becomes the next next in line almost as part of one or two clubs to be Europe's next uh, you know powerhouse big team. Okay. Well, uh, next up, we're going to talk a little bit about the process behind writing books. I'm fascinated by that, honestly. Uh, and then we'll, we'll dive into a few details. But first, a quick ad break. Uh, thanks to these sponsors for obviously supporting the show. And we'll be right back. Okay. Process time. Jesse, let's start this thing off. Yeah, so where how does this even like kick off? Where you're looking at like the whole team, you know you want to take this tactical overview, but there's a lot of stuff there, right? Like there's the whole history of the club, you're kind of trying to narrow it down. Where do you begin? Good question. Um I kind of sort of mapped out kind of from an from a, just an overview perspective of kind of how I wanted to break down the book. So for me it was all right, I wanted to have couple of narrative chapters it needs to obviously have analysis chapters how do i want to break up those analysis chapters and then just kind of map that out in almost like an excel sheet and, and kind of give myself all right x amount of tentative words and kind of total it up so once i have that on on, a, on on screen or on a piece of paper it's it makes it very easy for me to kind of look around and go okay this is the structure that i generally have and it, it can completely change at the end of the process but it's it's a structure to start with um and for me it's more Think of the narrative, have that narrative in mind, and I got to make sure that when I'm doing the rest of the analysis chapters that that narrative is built into this so that from start to end, even though you're reading something tactical, the narrative of the book and the whole point of the book is seen through those chapters as well. Um, but in terms of then what I wrote first and second and how do I start, like, honestly, I just started with what I felt was either the the hardest part or for me from a sense, what was the weakest thing for me to write? Or what, what was going to take me the longest time to write? And for me, that was probably um, looking at the team as a whole and breaking down the attacking, midfield, and defending style of play and kind of what they were doing. Uh, and because that required a lot more in-depth analysis, research, and stuff, so I went there. So I remember um, I remember doing the... Uh, I remember doing the the defending one first, and I, I used to remember taking about one one week to ten days to finish up a chapter, including research, because it would just allow me to focus on one specific chapter. and And the only the only I mean the only other thing I would say is that it's it's you might start with one chapter and you go through it, but four chapters down the line, you know, you could go you could remember something and go, oh, I've got to go back to the first one. So then you go back to the first one. So you could almost start. I mean, at the end of the day, you could start anywhere because eventually as you're writing everything, you're going to eventually go back and change something in another chapter because you've written something in chapter seven that you realize you need that you realize, you know what, actually, 
I should change this in chapter two because then this will be in sync. And that was probably the hardest thing to kind of keep track of across both books because you don't, you're worried that you've written something before, then you've written something that's maybe contradictory later, but you got to make sure that everything's in sync. So I'd probably say when you're starting, it's just write, get a draft out and then kind of keep fixing it. It's the editing that's where, where it really comes, where it really comes down to. I have this uh, perception in my own brain that writing a book takes 18 years and <laughs> 19 revisions and it's a painful process. Can you give us a sense of uh, from word one or outline one to I have a book in my hand now, how long did that take? Okay, yeah, no, so you're not the only one that's had this perception of 18 years and 20 revisions, because even my, some of my friends who are here and not in the in the football space are like, I thought this would take like three years, but you've done it in this amount. Of, how? And, and I'm like, okay, so the good thing is, I, okay, so the straight answer is it took me uh, at 10 months, 11, uh, so yeah, 10 months to get the manuscript done. And in about 12 months to get the book in my hand and go, right, I have the finished product with me. Um, but it's a, it's a process. I mean, even though it's 12 months, it's it, and the only reason it takes 12 months. And I would say in, in a in a book writing sense, it's a very short amount of time. It's not much. And even then, it's it's actually for me, then it's nine or 10 months because my manuscript has to be formed in four months before the problem gets printed and, and it's out. And I would say the only good thing about that, the only reason that is, is because because it's tactical analysis and I'm already very well versed with the team in general, I have a good idea of how the team worked. My research was more about getting the finer details, but the general overview of the team in terms of how they attack, defend, how what the players are from a general point of view. Like I know G is a creative player and I know, uh, you know, Sam Kerr is what type of striker she is and getting. Because I already knew that, I didn't have to spend too much time doing that initial bit of research. It was just about, all right. Sam Kerr is a, is a is a roaming striker. Let's go into the nitty gritty details of Sam Kerr, right? What, what type of movement does she like? Where does she like to go? And so that in itself would maybe take, I would say in terms of all the research, say three to four months gathering all of that. And obviously I don't do it at one time. I would do chapter research, chapter research and write it. But I would say if I had to add it up, about three to four months for that. And then just writing it up would take another three, three to four months because it's, you know what you're writing, but then I also have to remember that this is not just a, an analysis piece that I'm posting up for a website. It's a book, and I've got to make it read like a book. And I've got the chapters have to be book like, and that was a challenge because obviously, obviously, the first book helped me, but it's still like you've got to think of the way you structure sentences, the way you write things, and you're gonna keep going back. And there are days where I might write a hundred words and I'm stuck. Like I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and it was just, it would just keep going back and forth. So. But I think what helped was the fact that I, because I knew the subject matter quite well from before, the nine months was enough time to an extent to be able to write the whole thing out, research everything, and then go back and essentially give myself a month and a half of just completely rereading the whole thing and finalizing everything and refining everything. So so I'd say, yeah, nine, ten months to manuscript and another a year till the actual book is released and printed. And you kind of touched on you know how because you obviously already have an understanding of the team that you don't really need to do that initial stage of research but what did you kind of what were you looking to do from that point were you you know re-watching the games like I know you you spoke to obviously a lot of people as well for the book like how are you how are you kind of picking out those people and and figuring out how to fill in that extra bit of detail yeah no so 
it's you're right. As I did, I did rewatch a few games because obviously when you watch it the first time, you get your initial thoughts after you watch the game live or whatever. But then when you really go back and watch it again, you start to pick out um, things that are maybe that you missed before. Because say you've done so, say I I I think I rewatched the um, I rewatched the Champions League games. I think I watched the quarterfinals, semifinals, and I watched the final again. And I was able to go back and really understand a few points that maybe I had learned uh, based off research of a player or research of a couple other things. And and you touched upon uh, talking to people, and I'll, I'll just touch on that very quickly and come back to this because it it, it relates. I would the way I picked out people was um, I would kind of look at people from different walks of football right um so for example and I'll, I'll, I'll keep it in house for a second i reached out to you jesse obviously you and i had a, a, had a long conversation on on the team and i and like i would basically try and probe you with questions and try and see i was almost like challenging myself with my thing through you by saying i think this but what do you think and then you would sometimes come and say right no i think it's like this and it would give me food for thought and so by being able to talk to people who like yourself would have that analytical point of view as well, but then be able to challenge me was was one. I, I reached out to, to to the guys here, Nick, Dan, and and Brandon as well, and, and asked their thoughts as well, and you know pulled in uh, pulled in a few things from there, and kind of talking to people from the analysis space, the data space, the the general the journalist space, the people who had an idea about the club in itself from a narrative perspective, and once you pick up those conversations and you have all of that. It kind of then it 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 starts setting a, an idea a picture in my head. So when I am going back to watch games, I'm able to use that sort of those conversations that I've had, and go back and 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 kind of write it up. So I'll give you I'll give you another example. I spoke to I spoke to a couple of people who are really big into the data, but they also have been watching Chelsea for years and years and years. Um, and and I asked them about all right, you know, you obviously you've seen you've seen Chelsea back a few years ago when they reached the Champions League semi-final, quarter-final against uh, Leon. Then obviously we've seen now when they played against Barcelona, Wolfsburg, and Bayern. You know, and I I remember asking a question about right, we've seen a four-four-two there, and then we're looking at iterations of the four-four-two and the four-two-three-one now. What were your key differences there? And I would say get that answer, and then when I'm say watching. For example, the Wolfsburg game and, and how they played against there, then I start thinking, all right, you know what? So this is how it changed and this is how it relates to it. And then I would be able to go into the chapter and kind of then give people a better understanding of the tactic because then I can go and say, so they're playing like this now. But if you look back three years ago and you look at this specific detail from that game, this is what they did and this is how they've done it differently now or how they've improved. So that process of being able to find the small details like that, uh, for example, was was kind of where the research was headed and kind of how um kind of how I wanted to approach it because anybody can write uh you know a few thousand words on how the team attacks defends and 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 uh you know transitions right now but I wanted it to be something where you could you could go back and look at it from a period of time and see the evolution which is obviously what's in the name part of the uh journey here is that about 8 months into your book writing process um we called you and said, "Hey, uh, we're looking to do more women's coverage on our on our podcast network, and we're trying to start a new show." And uh, you and Jesse came on board in, in August to start this wonderful version of our of our podcast. And I, you know, I think probably puts you in a position to do more match by na- match analysis toward the end of your writing process, right? I mean, this is 
you know, we're, we're doing these things every week now and, and doing tactical views on like a micro basis instead of a macro basis. So can you maybe touch on like, did, did that impact the, the narrative you were writing or, or were you kind of already so far along with the manuscript that it was, it was just kind of refinement at that point? Uh, for this show, you guys saved me a lot of time doing extra research. So I'll give you guys that much just by doing all the breakdowns on a weekly basis. No, um, I, I know, I, I, you know, I think no, seriously, it was that. I think, I think it definitely gave me a perspective because I'm telling you, till the final day of giving in the manuscript, I was still looking at details and t and the, and some of the games and and points and like okay, okay, have I missed this? Can I add this in? Where can I adjust? And um, no, but I, I think no. Uh, first of all. I appreciate the call and, and it was it was such a it was a huge moment for me. I was, you know, I, I think I told you guys at the time it was a it was a it was a bucket list moment just to get on one episode of the London's Blue podcast because I've been so following it for so long and um but then to get get you know be on an entire show for, for the, obviously now it's been six, seven months. It's it's unbelievably crazy and I remember the phone calls that we had. Um and then obviously to be able to get someone like Jesse on who's just so knowledgeable and, and obviously we've done podcasts together for the last like, you know, almost a year now. Um, it was just a no-brainer, and it's kind of the team that we have here is unbelievably amazing. And I, I think it did help because it's just everyone's so knowledgeable on this podcast. Whoever we bring on, the two of you, it, I really feel like I get challenged in a good way because it forces me to think. It, and every week when I come on the podcast, I'm like, all right, am I can I bring something different? Can, can I think outside of the box and bring something that, that, that you know, that, that maybe, you know, it's almost, and maybe I'll admit it for the first time here. I almost feel like I want to come on every week and give one moment where you both go, oh, okay, good point. Didn't think about that. You know, it's always because I, I, cause I want to try and get better and I want to try and pull things out. I know that for sure. And I'll, I'll say this, Jesse does that to me every week. I see that and I go, ah, oh, you know, I didn't actually see that as at least one or two things. So testament to the both of you for me, honestly. And, so, and just on the virtue of that, because we were in August and the book was due end of September, I almost had like two months to be able to take everything in and use this extra bit of information and apply it to the book. So huge impact um, just on the book and not only that, just on me personally. So uh, no, it's been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I thought I had to give you some praise as well, right? I mean, <laughs> warms, warms the heart. Warms the heart. Hey, come on, you know, I mean, if, I, if you're giving it to me, I got to give some back. I get some back so. <laughs> yeah, we've been like mocking you for feeling like awkward about doing this. And as soon as you say anything nice about us, we're like, oh, we don't know how oh, to God. speak anymore. My, my own co-hosts don't say anything nice about me. I mean, this is, this is, uh, it's a, it's a first, it's a first. There you fun. go. There you go. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, across the, the book, you basically, you know, broke, the team down really into into those kind of individual chapters pulling it all apart and how those kind of building blocks fit together but were there any chapters that really stood out to you as as ones that were like particularly interesting you know stuff that you hadn't really considered before that came up while you were writing them um yeah i think i'll give you two examples i think of the two chapters of mine that were absolutely like i think even till today some of the best things for me personally that i feel like i've written and and i and i really enjoyed was i think the first was penila hada and i think penila hada has been this kind of a lightning rod of a topic amongst chelsea fans for the since she's ever joined the club from she's not playing in the right role she should be playing on a different position how does she fit in the team? Who does she fit in with? And it's just the never-ending questions and answers that we keep getting from from Penila Hada. And when I wrote that chapter, I, I I almost went in with the mindset of going, okay, I want to set the record straight. I want to actually go into so much detail of what Emma Hayes wants Penila Hada to do 
that um, I don't care if this becomes the longest chapter. And it ended up being the longest chapter of the book because I, wa- I really wanted to go in and, and, and kind of, because while the other, ch- I mean, obviously all the chap- all the player chapters have their own twist and uniqueness to it, obviously. But this one specifically, I was like, it's, it needed its own, it needed its, it needed to be different and it needed to be a lot more detailed because I was like, she is the cog core. She was the marquee signing of the summer, you know? And, with the whole thing about people going, no, she was, she's not scoring enough goals. She's, she's not had this, you know, but for me, I was like, but are you not seeing the other parts of her game that she's doing off the ball and, 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 you know, defensively and, 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 you know, making space and creating more chances. And, you know, it almost felt like people weren't seeing that. It almost felt like, no, I've, I've got to try and see if I can open people's eyes. And yes, I know the book was coming a lot later, but, um, it was still one of those where I wanted to detail it in as much detail as possible so for people to look back on and go, oh, okay, that's what it was. So that was per- personally one of my favorite chapters to write. Um, the second one was was towards the end. It was a little bit of, I did a little bit of theory crafting in the book as well, um, which I hadn't done in the previous one. And I, I wanted to take a chance. And, and Nick, like you said, when you, when you when you put yourself out there sometimes and people don't agree, it's it, it can be a scary thing as well. And this was one of those chapters where I was like, I have no clue how people are going to be receptive to this, but I'm going to try it anyway. Um, and I remember this is when this is obviously during the Champions League run, and I had written this chapter during that in the summer. But I had written a chapter about what the way I think Chelsea should be playing with the squad that they had, and and being able to detail that out and almost for myself being able to explain to people this is my version and vision of that I would like Chelsea to play as if I'm the one managing the team and give my reasons behind it and and do all that so for me those two probably were because I don't want to give away what that chapter is what 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 formations I talked about and everything so that's there for for the book and who I picked but um I think uh, I will say one thing though without giving it away one thing from that chapter has actually happened now and I got some sort of confirmation from somewhere that that was absolutely 100% correct. So I, I, I want to give myself a little bit of credit for like a year ago, almost calling that out. And it actually is happening now and it's actually correct. So that's, 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 so that's why those two are probably my favorite chapters. Oh, the old, the old classic getting it right, huh? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. A bit, just a little bit. Um, look, I, I think you made a point earlier that, you know, the, the narrative has to carry through the, the book, right? I mean, you start off, though, with, which I think is a really interesting way to start the book. It's it, it, titled the, the Project, right? Can you define, you know, because I think I want to give our, our folks at home a sense that this Chelsea team did not just uh, appear out of nowhere and and started to win stuff, right? I mean, there's a lot of effort and energy and uh, discipline behind the scenes to to make this team into something. Can you, can you talk a little bit about why you started with the project and what that really means to you? Yeah, uh, the project. I mean, I will I will say one thing. It's a little bit of a throwback to a certain uh, Portuguese manager named uh, Mr. Andre Vs Boas, who came in and called it the project, right? And it was a little bit of an inspiration from him. Uh, that's why I wanted to call the chapter the project. But no, I think for me it was the project because Chelsea's a project. Chelsea Women has been a project for for it's a, it's a seventy ten year journey. Uh, from where they were to kind of where they got to now, now with the pinnacle being that Champions League final. Um, you know, they, they wanted to go from being just, just some mid-table team to being this 
dominant powerhouse and the fact that they were, you know, they 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 put things in place, you know, from from the very beginning. It's kind and, and it's kind of like, you know, the kind of the way we've seen the men's team grow. Sorry, we've kind of seen men's team grow. Like building blocks have been put in place over the years to be able to reach to a point now where Chelsea have just become serial winners, right? And I think the same thing can be said for the women's team. Yes, they didn't win much silverware in the, in the early stages of their of in an infancy of their of their history. They were getting there. There was every year there was this there was this improvement year on year, you know, incremental improvement, higher placed finishes, the squads getting better. And I think the whole the whole reason for people to be able to start off the book by understanding what the project is, is for me was if you understand where they started from and kind of because everybody knows that Chelsea are a top team. They've won to the Champions League final. They've won WSL titles like, you know, serial serial WSL title winners and, and all that. But if you don't understand how they started, you can't really appreciate what's going on right now. So that's kind of the overarching point of this chapter was like, all right, I want you to understand the grassroots. Where did they come from? What was what are they all about? What's the what's the aim? What's the ethos of the club that they wanted to that they want to achieve? And, you know, then you can get into everything else that you see right now. You had to go back to, you know, when Matt Beard was managing and Kate Longhurst was scoring for Chelsea in FA Cup finals. That's like what you had to like, that was that had to be the starting point. Um, you know, fortunately, Carly Telford yeah. is, is the one the one constant you can tell in that story. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, when you were kind of writing this book, we were going on a fantastic run to the Champions League final. Uh, kudos to you for watching that game back by the way wow you have a strong stomach <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be watching that game back even if I had to write a book on it I would just cut that chapter personally <laughs> uh, and you know equally we ha- didn't have a great Champions League this year I've taken to um, no longer recognising that as a formal competition so if other teams are going to play matches against European teams that happy friendlies for them mid-season friendlies yeah I've never even heard of it well which one are we talking about (laughs) I I just don't know Um, but how does that kind of impact your view of Chelsea kind of becoming Europe's new next powerhouse See, I, I think, I, I, you know what? In a way, not so much at the time. It wasn't so much. Maybe, maybe now it will depend on what happens in the summer, obviously. But I think at the time, not so much because I thought, because I knew that there was going to be an eventuality of if they win the Champions League or if they lose the Champions League. And I've got to be ready for both because obviously I knew the, the, the idea of the book at the time. And so what I wanted to do was was kind of almost like, in the book, give people like, like you know, like almost like here's here's path number one, path number two, path number three, path number four. If these scenarios were to happen, this is what I think for each of them, right? And it's not because I chickened out on a scenario. No, it was because I knew that if they're going to win, this is what it, what it, what it should mean. But if they lose, this is what it should mean. You know, this is where they can go. And I don't think for me... It's wavered too much, right? You know, at the time, or even now, I, I still think this team can become, you know, one of Europe's next powerhouses because the ingredients are there. Emma Hayes is a good man, is a really good manager. You you don't like you lose a Champions League. Fine, you got we, we you know we got out of the Champions League group stages early this year, um, but I think this year has had its own problems, which I think could and should be rectified in the summer uh, when, when we get off. But I, I think. 
you know, if, if the mistakes are clear, and or rather, I don't need the mistakes, but the 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 problems are clear, and they can be rectified. And once that is rectified, I think the team can get back onto the path of where they were. You know, I think we could almost call this like the blip season. And after getting to such a high of last season, you almost kind of, in some ways, expect a little bit of a dip. You know. By the way, the the blip the blip could have three or four trophies. <laughs> I mean, like that. This <laughs> you know, is exactly. A- Exactly. Well, we're talking. Blip. We're, yeah, we're not. We're not finishing mid-table like City. You know, I think this is a. Uh, it's an interesting scenario. <laughs> let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me rephrase that. Not the Kevin. A European blip. You're, fair enough. European yeah, yeah. blip. A yeah. European blip. Where you know you've reached the Champions League final. Kind of doing that again was always going to be a tough task. And obviously, with the group stages coming in. We had Wolfsburg and we had Juventus. You know, Wolfsburg have always been like a bogey club. And Juve have obviously, you know, they, they got Joe Montemuro and, you know, they were, they were always going to be tough to beat. But um, it's just been, you know, it's just been one of those seasons. And I think in some ways, you know, if we were going to get out, we got out in the group stages because now it's allowed us to focus on the league, especially with the league being so tight. So I, I don't worry too much about the fact that this team can become yours. I think they can. Obviously, with with changes and, and and additions, but yeah, I think this team can still do it. A big portion of the book is dedicated to Emma Hayes, and not only you know who she is as a person, which I uh, commands only the highest respect from this show, but also just the type of manager that she is. I, I mean, this is a a top class manager uh, in world football. She's been uh, mentioned for every possible job opening for the last couple of years uh now men's and women's sides uh, as well but what what was your overall thought in crafting that chapter and i guess if you if you could articulate the point that you were trying to make that would be really helpful sure um i think a big part of chelsea has been emma hayes i think she while it is a team game and the team is the one delivering on the pitch but She's the orchestrator. She's the conductor. She's the one on the sidelines kind of setting everything up with this team. And I think she's been such a prominent part of Chelsea's history, of Chelsea's successes and failures and everything that's in between that kind of understanding Emma Hayes as a person was almost needed, with especially with the media spotlight that she, she's been having, especially, you know, the Euros, the Euro punditry, uh, the, the, you know, the Wimbledon job openings, the other job openings and everybody, you know, half the world doubting her half the world you know you know going you know going with her and i just felt like again if you like i like i said for the previous question was you needed to know where chelsea started but at the same time you need to know where emma hayes started you know like emma hayes isn't just some run-of-the-mill manager emma hayes is has built this pedigree and 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 ha- and has the the acumen you know to to be able to manage such a big club like chelsea and you know the results speak for themselves and I think understanding her her roots, her backdrop, her coaching history, her career, and really then being able to appreciate everything about uh, about her is is something that I think was super necessary, and uh, something that that I think people needed to understand because I, I think and I, and I go back to this, especially with the Euros punditry where, where the spotlight was intense. I think if if people pick this book up and they and they and they and, they, and they, let's say they're they're purely into men's football. And they and the only thing that they know is oh I know Chelsea as a club oh Emma Hayes was that that pundit on ITV back in the summer, and they read that maybe this changes their perception of Emma Hayes right and that's kind of the point of this chapter I right? 
I would like to change the perception and, and be, basically make people real understand that, you know what, Emma Hayes is everything and anything everybody's saying she is and more. So here's a full like, it's like the bio, Emma Hayes' biography, but condensed down into a chapter, right? It's like, here's, here it is in a nutshell. And uh, obviously, whenever she releases her own book, you can go and read that for the full life story. But here it is in a nutshell. And then you can really appreciate Emma Hayes and Chelsea as a whole. And I guess another thing that I've kind of been thinking about with Chelsea and the success that I've had is how much the squad's kind of grown into that. And, you know, Hayes and her growth has obviously been a big part of that too. But I feel like with the real bulk of those players who've kind of taken us from that 2015 period up to now, starting to age out in the next couple of seasons. Um, you know, I guess we've kind of already potentially seen it with Marin, but players like Magda, Millie, Fran, all kind of hitting that 27, 28, 29 age. What do you think Chelsea need to do if they are to kind of like roll this squad into kind of that continued success rather than maybe falling foul of, of some things you see other squads do where they, they get this real fallow period as they try and start again? Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's, the, that's a very good, you know, that's a very good thing to look at because, and and I'll give a comparison to their to their male counterparts in that the 2012 team that won the Champions League, it, 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 obviously we're not at that point where everyone's 33, 34, 35, but you're almost getting you're starting to get the feeling of you're approaching the you're approaching that point where you're relying on several key players who are at the, you know just about to reach their 30s, and but eventually you're going to need to turn that over. You're going to need to you know get some other buddies and I think it's it's a fine line it's a fine delicate line between bringing in players who are ready for the first team who need first team minutes but also phasing these players out um obviously Magda Millie Marin you know the three that you mentioned there I think obviously they still have two three at least two three years of, of really good top level high level football in them left um and I think it's about bringing in some some more young I mean obviously we've got some young players in the squad right now who I think in two, three years can develop into successors per se. We take Anik Nauer, for example, who could really become a successor to either Millie Brad or Magda Erickson in there. Um Neve Charles, if she is going to be continued as a right back or right wing back, you've got a Marin Mielda, you know, successor over there. Um and I think the club have taken steps to be able to bring in players like that who can slowly edge in and kind of become uh, top class players because they've got the potential but I think the recruitment in the summer is going to need to be for, for starting from this summer actually is going to be very very important because if you don't bring in the right profile of prayer, player and it's either these players either too young or too inexperienced or they've not or you know they're they're too into the you know they're 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 too inexperienced it becomes a problem because then you're again over relying on, on the older players and you're not essentially being able to develop them like I think you know, the, the Nawa, Neve Charles kind of age bracket and kind of experience bracket, I think, is, is kind of what Chelsea needs to keep bringing in. Players with Champions League and league experience, but are still young enough to develop into it. You look at someone like Aaron Cuthbert, for example, well, she's what, 22, 23? She's been playing forever, right? And we've been lucky that we've had Aaron for so long. And now she's getting into, the, I mean, this season has kind of been her breakthrough season in a way, where right? she's come in played in three, four positions, but has been playing at the top of her game. And you sometimes forget that 
this girl's 23 years old. She's still got seven, eight years of like high quality football left. And if we're if we're starting to see the, you know, the the really, really good consistent performances now, there's more to come. And you'd expect and you'd want a Neve Charles and a Kanawa and and a Lauren James, another one that they've brought in to do the same thing in three years. You want them to be doing what Aaron is doing right now when they get to that age. So I think it I think it becomes um it becomes extremely important, and uh, and you know, hopefully Chelsea can can identify the right players who can help them take titles, but also uh, secure their future. All right, last question because again, the point of this is not to do the full audiobook version uh, Abdullah narrating his own words on on page. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but it is it is important. I, I think your the narrative that you string throughout the book is that is this Europe's next powerhouse, right? And to do that obviously you need results and stuff like that um last season chelsea became the first club to have their men's and women's teams reach the champions league final in the same season how do you think uh the club can you know because it is a club effort right i mean uh the owners invested a ton into the women's program over the last 10 years 12 years 13 years do you think that both sides can push each other? What do you think it'll take from the club to move the women's team into that you know spot of glory with the Champions League final? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think they just need to keep going as they are. I think the way uh, Adrian Jacobs, Marina Granskaya, Roman Abramovich, the way they're the 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 effort and kind of the you know the the attention that they're giving this 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 squad and this team, I think, is growing. Forget year on year. I think month on month, quarter on quarter. I think they're giving more and more emphasis on. All right, we need to build the squad. We want to make it the best in the world. I think the the signings of uh, Harder and Kerr were, were 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 obviously and and Leupold's were obvious statements of that. When when Granovsky is in the pictures, taking pictures when they're on their unveiling with Emma Hayes, you know that the club is serious about. If their chief negotiator of the men's side is here doing it for the women's, you know you've got a serious club and that one club mentality that we talk about is already there. I think they just need to keep going as they're going because I don't think there's anything else different that they need to do where um, they just need to keep investing, keep 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 giving this this team the support that they need. Obviously, we know that, the, you know, for example, just the training ground, everything is, is, is high class. The men and the women share almost the same level of of, of amenities and facilities that, that, that you know, that, that they do. And yeah, no, I think... Which is think not the case the, everywhere, should be said. Which is exactly, which is, yeah. should be said. It's not the case everywhere. Chelsea's one of the few clubs that do, does give their women's team so much attention in, in those finer details. And those small details make a lot of sense. You know, uh, I remember speaking to Ada Hegerberg for the Leon book, and she emphasized on the fact that because Leon take care of these small details... That's how they were able to dominate for so long because you don't have to worry about these small things. And I think Chelsea's on the right path by doing the exact same thing. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think how do they continue doing this and, and push up? I think they just need to keep put, doing what they're doing and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get there and become Europe's next powerhouse. Okay, we, we got through it. Um, there's, there's a lot of detail in the book. Again, can't emphasize enough to go buy this thing, to dive into it. There are nice little tactics charts. There's a little uh, photo section in the middle for those of us who struggle uh, with, with all of the words all the time. But, uh, Jesse, we're, we're going to give away a couple of these copies, right? We're going to do a little fun thing. So uh, what do the people need to do to uh, yeah, potentially earn so, themselves a copy? You know, I think this kind of giveaway 
format is is quite uh, common. So hopefully it should be easy to get your to get your head around. We're gonna do a little promo tweet, and to get in on the party, the book party, you just have to re- RT that tweet. Also known as retweet that tweet. I hate reading the word <laughs> RT. My brain just like does not turn it into like what it actually is. RT. Meet more. <laughs> RT the tweet. Um, tag to your friends and share your favorite Chelsea women's player. You could even tag Chelsea women's players as your friends. Yeah. Not? Please do all, it. Just so they, they could all be so can our friends. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Retweet, tag two friends, uh, share your favourite women's player and uh, then then cross your fingers for good luck. And if you're really worried about not winning, guess what? You can just buy the book yourself and then you'll be guaranteed a copy. So Boom. That's the best way go. to end this thing. Well, uh, Abdullah, again, congratulations on, on writing your second book, man. This is uh, really, really great. And I think the um, overarching lesson here is, is take a risk. If you're passionate about something, uh, take a risk, see if you like it and... Uh, you know, perhaps you'll find yourself on the uh, backside of writing your second book uh, and doing podcasts about it, which is kind of cool. So, uh, again, go buy the damn book. Uh, third time I've said it. If you haven't done it yet, I don't know what you're doing. Um, but that'll wrap us up for this week. Obviously, women's team on international break. We'll be back uh, after that with more coverage. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.